This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best All Elite Wrestling podcast. It's your boy. It's AB. I'm here. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Uh, Hey, y'all. It's your old pal. I'm Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing all right. I managed to leave the house today for the first time since the snowmageddon i think there is a name that they've called the storm but i've not bothered to learn it but uh had the one day all-time most snow like the highest snowfall in my area on sunday and let me tell you uh snow stinks like you get tired of that real quick and it's even as someone who grew up like never really seeing snow until college like i'm over snow like uh Global warming, let's get on with it. I'm done with snow. Maybe I'm not done with uh, global warming. Like, yeah, that got away from me. How are you, AB? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, trying to, you know, the the fucking Southeastern Conference and the people at All Elite Wrestling will not put their heads together and schedule things appropriately. So, you know, I was trying to keep up with uh, the cats while Dynamite was going on. Cats still playing tighter than than i'd hoped game so uh you know that's how i'm doing uh but we're also joined by nate aka opinicist who appears to have a tasty drink what do you got there nate i got a tea aaron it's it's a hot a piping hot tea it's it's piping hot i'm still sipping it because it has not yet cooled uh it is a it's a big 10 promotion aaron so you're just gonna have to i think uh learn to live with that um uh, Miami Hurricanes blew out UNC the other day. That was good. Basketball, first, we need to get ranked. Yeah, first time in ACC history that Miami has won the legs of Tobacco Road in the same season. That's right. Duke and UNC uh, suck ass. They're trash. I agree. Uh, Miami Hurricanes, number one, best ACC team all time. I'm kind of surprised, Nate, that you got into this the season as early as you did i figure that you would be like acc tournament finals then start paying attention uh well that is correct we discussed my dad's text to me on the patreon show this week uh, but he did text me say miami blowing out unc i said oh that's great we're the best so that's the extent of my knowledge <laughs> you have like the best like mindset towards fandom that like it, only dip in for when you when things are good. Don't let things bother you when things are bad. Just go do something be- better with your time, and you know, just be alerted when they're good, and then you pay attention. I I, I actually really respect that, Nate. That's not me being facetious. I appreciate that. It is extremely smart of me. Um, yeah, only there for the good times. No harm in being a front runner. Uh, honestly, if you're not a front runner, then you're just a a stand for a corporation or a a quote-unquote university, which are, you know, just crypto corporations. I am a stan. I, I mean, I can't, I have nothing to say uh, in response to this. It's just true. I am a, a Kentucky stan for sure. I, I uh, feel stan. like, I, I feel like w- w- at the elusive $10 tier, there should be just a camera of, uh, there should be, I should pull Aaron's camera right now. And, and then I know a lot of people got in trouble with Twitch right now. 
or for, for streaming live TV or something at the copyright court, but then also have like a picture in picture a feed of the Kentucky AM game right now because I think that this that this is adding a new element to EE. I didn't know we needed until just now is Aaron barely being able to contain himself over a game. Well, we were like, uh, it was a weird start of the season. Then suddenly it's like, oh, are we good? Is this like a good team? You know, they blew out North Carolina. They blew out. Been uh, there. Fucking, yeah. They blew out some other teams. They blew out Tennessee the other day. Ranked Tennessee. Destroyed them. Uh, and then, you know, they go to Texas A&M and they're uh, shitting the fucking bed. So, you know, it's just how it goes. All right. I know. We don't have, there's not a lot of crossover between uh, our listeners and college athletics fans. So we probably should move <laughs> on from this topic. Uh, should we jump right into uh, Final Fantasy 14 then? I, I, there I is mean, a lot of crossover between our listeners and Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, I think that's what we just have to start talking about Square games. So, Aaron, I have a game for you to play. It's called The Bouncer. It's <laughs> a good choice. There was a so I was Xeno Gears sign. I mean, you know, JRPG signs at AEW shows uh, uh, has reached a critical mass here at this point. But yeah, there was a Xeno Gears better than I think Final Fantasy VII sign in the crowd this week. That's just someone who has a lot of spare time on their hands to have that belief. Tell me well, more yeah, about I mean, the announcer. If, if you have uh, if you have an encyclopedic knowledge of JRPGs, you by definition have to have a lot of time to have played through them. Well, well I mean games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Xenogear is one of the more famously long games. That that was the reference for you, Aaron. With that, that 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 was reference. I mean, we're getting to the point now where they're going to start like bringing up like Parasite Eve two, and when we get to that point, then what are we really doing here? But my, my mother just texted me. I uh, I advised her earlier today that we have uh, booked our trip to Egypt, and so now she is sending me the State Department's Egypt travel advisory, which says, do not travel to Egypt due to COVID-19. <laughs> Reconsider travel to Egypt due to terrorism. <laughs> Exercise increased caution in Egypt due to the embassy's limited ability to assist dual national U.S. Egyptian citizens who are arrested or detained. I'm that sounds like national. a failure of the failure of the State Department more than your problem. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a I'm not a dual national, so I I will be assisted most likely. I think so. I think that, that's definitely what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Uh, I have a way to tie this all in. About this, I have a way to tie tie this somewhat all in. Uh, you, you know who was someone that was on one of the last flights out of Cairo during the uh, the Arab Spring uprising? Um. Jeff no. Ricky Williams. Oh. <laughs> that was funnier pull. than I could have possibly hoped. <laughs> he was just I was hanging. Gu- was I was going to guess the, uh, the guy who programmed Final Fantasy 1 through 3, I believe. I don't know oh, his yeah. name off the top of my head, but he was. Yeah. Uh, maybe he was an Arabic guy that fled during the. Oh, maybe it was the Iranian Revolution. Uh, and then. Final Fantasy. Slightly different. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was trying to tie it into the Square Enix conversation we were having and not the, the college sports one we were having. Nasir. You're thinking about Nasir. Nasir, there you go, yeah. So Final Fantasy 3 was all programmed in an American hotel room <laughs> because he didn't have a Japanese work visa, so they flew all the Japanese developers over here. 
Uh, and then they, I don't think they put that game out in the U.S. Very weird. Interesting. The uh, the meeting of you know geopolitics, CIA coups, and Final Fantasy. Tale as old as time. A tale as old as time. All right, where our Twitter at everything. AEW, you can find us there. I'm at Aaron Like the Car, Nate's at Epitasis, Mike's at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to linktra.ee slash everything AEW. Find all our links. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating. We have like, well, the last time I looked, we already had like 17 Spotify ratings. So that was that was Thank happy. Thank you, Spotify that. fans. Yeah. And that was that was like last week, I think I looked at that. So thank you to everyone for that. Now, I shouldn't have said that in case there's still only 17. I should have waited and looked so that then I could have said there was only two when I looked before and now there's 17. So that was a poor choice on my part. But that's what I do. I make poor choices. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite. That's the best way to support us. Fuck, we still only have 17. <laughs> that <laughs> Damn was, it, uh, Aaron. Yesterday, yesterday that I saw that. For sure. That just Good means safe. not enough of you are going to Spotify and, and uh, giving us a five-star rating. So do that. All right. We'll yeah, we want, the, uh, we want the Spotify ringer listeners to come our direction. Stop listening to your Flobos and your Evan Max and come on over to, to the winning team. That's right. We're, we're here on this episode to take a stand for three-man podcasts and... <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the best one, I think. So the first one also, I think. Yeah, I don't also think anybody first. else nobody else had three white guys do a do a podcast <laughs> before, did they? Never, never. Uh, that's not, that's never, not a hack joke, is it? <laughs> I've I, I mean, I've always thought it was strange that we had three people. I don't really not aware of a lot of three person podcasts. Never been done before. Just straight yeah. innovating right out the gates. Absolutely. So here to make a stand for that uh, and against We're also, the I think, ringer, the, for sure. the first first people to complain about the show on the podcast. I think we innovated that. That's like uh, MJF now, now is claiming that he innovated saying mid. We innovated having three guys on to complain about the show and be juvenile. Absolutely. I mean, we innovated doing a podcast about a non-existent wrestling promotion. <laughs> four yeah, months I, early yeah that's true <laughs> what a that was insane why did we do that <laughs> okay the way we like to start our three-man podcast is with a segment called elite or delete where we talk about our favorite and least favorite things from the show nate get a starter buddy what was your favorite thing from this week's episode i'm gonna take the return of john moxley aaron open the show Super hot crowd, awesome moment, comes out, tells the guy to fuck off. That was cool. Uh, and then just cuts a unbelievable, incomparable promo. You know, you wrestling benefits and that, you know, it pretends to be in the real world, then it also incorporates these things from the real world. So you get real, genuine human moments in the context of this weird little story they're telling. Uh, and you have the element here, added element here of John Moxley being a badass, cool promo who's intense and, you know, genuine and sincere and swings to the fences. And also just 
you know, not afraid to take these bigger ideas and be like, oh, I'm going to tell you about a dream I had where I was talking to a demon cloud. Like, of course, um, it, it all just <laughs> somehow comes together to work perfectly. And it was remarkable. It was memorable. Um, it was awesome for him. Um, and yeah, just it just set set a high tone for this show where it was going to be kind of at a, 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 a an energy peak through at least, I think, the first hour of the show. So, yeah, John Moxley's back. Turns out he can still talk on the microphone. I don't know if you guys knew that. And now he's going to be a player in this, you know, suddenly very crowded uh, main event scene, presumably. Yeah, and he talked about all he drinks now is blood, and that was just like the ultimate topper for like this promo talking about demon clouds. It is it's something that like with Moxley like I can't think of very many people who are so good at talking and wrestling who have like such a wide variance and like just going for for like Moxley's energy either really works out for him or it just comes off like the whole like Steve what what was the plant name that he had the plant he had the plant in WWE Mitch 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 yes the, the energy, you know, if it goes towards the uh, the side that we got tonight, he is the one of the best uh, talkers in a generation. And it just, like, led us to, like, have, like, this adrenaline high where, like, uh, we, we really haven't had this necessarily lately, I feel like. But after this, it felt like the first two-thirds of the show just flew by. And it just was, like, the, uh, the dopamine hit to get us, like, ready to go. And then everything just went boom, 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 boom. And Moxley's back. And it's sick as hell. The crowd singing along with it. Moxley coming through the crowd. It just... It, it, it was a good vibe. And I... This was, like, by far the highlight of the episode. Uh, sorry to already go off of the, the point of the show here, but uh, our friend Thoros pointed out in the in the youtube chat that it's funny that the state department has travel advisories for places that have you know covid rates that are less bad than the united states and so i looked it up egypt had 1200 new cases of covid today and the united states had 1.2 million (laughs) yeah i was gonna say south carolina has topped that in recent days yeah and there are 102 million people in egypt so it's not like you know Anyway, that's funny. So Moxley, the thing about Moxley is that this promo was excellent and he just came across as a fucking real guy who you're like, you're already genuinely happy to see him, but then he does pro wrestling where you can be like, I'm genuinely happy to see this guy. And now I'm excited to watch him beat the shit out of somebody. So he tied it all together. He looked great. Uh, He, you know, sounded like he was not going to put up with uh, people's bullshit as he dropped, uh, you know, F-bomb within, I don't know, one minute of the show starting. So that was good. It was, everything was good. Happy to see him back. Yeah, I'm uh, hoping that we get David Dixon's band sending some FOIA requests to see if TBS got any FCC complaints about his F-bomb. That would be cool. Uh, that'd be pretty sick if he had to pay a big fine for the F-bomb just in terms of like being a badass. Uh, speaking of things named Mitch, did you guys see Camille's tweet the other day? Yes. 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 Tweet of the year yeah. already. Lock it up. Really? I mean, just ha- how amazing to like be a pro wrestler and not know who The Rock is. That's unbelievable. 
I love it. Yeah, and she's like, a wrestler who lived in the U.S. Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. A person who lived in the U.S. for a for more than like six weeks. Like, if you if you're in the United States for more than six weeks, you're gonna be exposed to The Rock. It's true. You're definitely gonna, uh, yeah, high high rock exposure levels. I don't probably higher here than an agent. <laughs> Man, I watched I don't know thirty minutes of uh, Central Intelligence the other night after Rampage. Very bad movie. Not not a good movie. I don't think he makes good movies. I I, I can't remember the last movie of his I saw. But, um, but it the, had to be a fast, but not a recent. Yeah. The funniest yeah. thing was that I, I watched it, and I don't know if you've seen it, but the idea is that Kevin Hart is an accountant. Okay? I mean, that's like one plot point in the movie, right? So I was telling Sarah the next day, I was like, I stayed up and watched this movie after Rampage. It was called The Accountant, because I always hear people talking about The Accountant coming on before Dynamite. So I thought it was The Accountant. And so she's like Googling and she's like, dude, I don't think Kevin Hart and The Rock are in a movie called The Accountant. <laughs> anyway. They should be in The Accountant too, though. <laughs> yes, they Who should. Who is in The Accountant? Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck, I believe. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Anna Kendrick, J.K. Simmons, John Barenthal, Jeffrey Tambor, uh, and John Lithgow. Th- oh, that's a cast. What a crew. Yeah. Definitely yeah. talked about Lithgow before on here. Yeah, it was that was on Butts Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I just I just put it together. Yeah, that's right. Br- bringing up Lithgow is what brought us to normally Leo Butts. <laughs> uh, well, why are we calling it Butts Talk? It should be called Talking Butts. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's talking, fine. Talking Norbert? Is that... Norbert Kara business? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that was like that was an A B level joke there. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> maybe sub A B. Honestly, that that wasn't wasn't your best work, Nate. Well, yeah, you know, I was making a face that was like, you know, I'm not making a joke. I'm just I'm thinking of avenues for jokes. So, <laughs> listeners, right. bear that in mind when you hear it. We when, were riffing in, in the past. That's, that's all that was happening. <laughs> uh, all right, Aaron. Who do you think is the accountant? Is it? Oh, if it's, well, t- tell, is it tell not me Ben the Affleck? Again? I, I say Ben Affleck. All right, Nate says Ben Affleck. Aaron, who do you who do you say is the accountant of the names I listed? Um, Affleck, Kendrick, Simmons, Barenthal, Tamber, and Lithgow. I'm going to go Anna Kendrick as the accountant. Nate gets the point. It is Ben Affleck. God Christian, Chris, Wolf. Put it on the board. Wow. Okay, I'll put it on the board. It's got to be Bernthal, right? Is that his name? The Punisher. I don't. I don't know who that is. Yeah, right. that's the Punisher. Sorry, I was putting it on the board. I'm gonna keep track of the scores. Nice. For the, for I'm, the year. I'm way out in front right now. Hey, three weeks in, you scored the first point. <laughs> Boy, that's not. Uh, sounds sounds about right. That's not what it was like on the five star match game. Am I right? I'm. Uh, you know. It's a fresh start, 2022. That's old business. Time doesn't go backwards; it goes forwards. So, it was. Uh, what's the Jericho line? That's that was bad creative from a GFY. Oh, <laughs> that was funny that he dropped that shirt right after. Okay, um, Mike, I believe it's your turn, buddy. What you got? What was your elite pick? Uh, my elite of the week was the uh, way that they set up Rapongi Vice versus Young Bucks at on Rampage on Friday. So 
they have this live rampage coming up. It's their first live one, I feel like, in several months, and they have uh, uh, the the branding cam where like, we're thinking it's going to be the Young Bucks or the Elite all together. And it said uh, Rocky Romero has stolen the cameras, being very brusque with uh, Brandon Cutler. Uh, nice Greg, however, is there trying to be polite, and they challenge the Unbox. And then later on in the show, we got a lot of classic uh, 2011 through 2016 New Japan footage, and just I felt like that that was something that that's a match for people who followed. Uh, these four guys, like that's a match. It's like, oh, sick! We're getting this match now. We're getting to see this match for the first time in however long. But also by having the clips there and the way they've built up to it, for someone who's who was just like hopping on because this was the new promotion, and we're like, okay, what's the deal here? You get that footage there, and it's nice to see them being willing to put footage of other promotions that prominently in a build to a match here. I thought that this was just well executed all around, and it was kind of the thing that stood out for me. I was like, hey. Well, we got to have a fun Rapongi Vice promo, and then that led to a match being set on Friday, and we got to see them actually tap into these resources to build up matches, not just for the hardcore fan, but for someone who who wasn't watching New Japan back then. Yeah, it was very well done. Uh, it does Trent coming in and, and and being like, hey, you know, take it easy on Brandon. They bully him all the time, and him being like the one person to be nice to Brandon. That was funny. Uh, it does go contrary to what I proposed on Patreon show about Trent going heel. Uh, but, you know, Trent is is funny and uh, has the correct energy to just be able to thread that needle here. Um, them using all the old New Japan footage was great. <clears throat> the I think we joked a while, probably when they signed Bobby Fish, we joked about Tony being a big New Japan juniors, you know, 2014 fan. Uh, and this was like the peak of that where it's like, yeah, no, Tony probably sat down himself and wrote out this entire little chronology of the Young Bucks versus Rapongi Vice feud. Uh, I've pointed out in this show previously that Tony's made multiple comments about loving the team Rapongi Vice and never making those comments about the best friends tag team. So, yeah, Tony's probably been feeding to book this match. I'm sure it'll be a great match. Uh, and it was nice to get that just sort of added context for it for like, hey, yeah, you know, these teams. Had some great matches. The first match where the Rapongi Vice won the junior tag team titles uh, was one of my favorite matches of that year, I think. It was, you know, it wasn't a four-corner junior tag spot fest thing, you know, that they're so good at. But it was just like a straight-ahead tag team match uh, where the Young Bucks got to be heels and eat shit uh, and, you know, do their spot where they trip entering the ropes and all that stuff. Uh, and it was just a, a tremendous match for you know being like a straight ahead wrestling match and not a junior spot fest kind of thing uh and doubly memorable because then they went on talk and shop after the fact um and uh the, the young bucks made fun of trent because when they won trent started crying <laughs> and they're like oh you fucking mark you won this you want a belt for the first time and you started crying and Trent's like no it's not and it's like ah trent was crying so that was very funny too yeah i'm excited about it i've uh, Rocky guy, so I was happy to see Rocky show back up. I'm more interested in this than Young Bucks versus Red Dragon, which I know is coming, but I'll I'll take this instead. And I hope I'm going to keep hoping against hope that this is somehow going to lead to a Trent singles push somewhere. It's just what I would like to see. So I'm hoping uh, that's what'll come of it. All right, I guess it's uh, 
My turn. My elite pick is hopefully going to be Cats winning in 10.4 seconds, but hard to say. Um, my pick is Santana and Ortiz is my elite pick for this week. How many times have we complained on this show that they don't do enough with Santana and Ortiz, a billion, and they don't do enough with Santana and Ortiz? I have no clue if this means they're going to do something with Santana and Ortiz, but they did a segment that was pretty, well, the Santana Ortiz part was good of the segment where they like very genuinely and believably talked about this whole thing of, hey, you know, don't uh, talk shit about Eddie Kingston. Don't care for that. And also maybe he's right that you are holding us back. You are the reason why we haven't been tag champions. So we we tease a split between them and, well, I guess Nate would say this is just another uh, dissension in a, in a uh, unit storyline which it is but i would like to actually see santana ortiz split off from jericho so that would be nice and maybe it uh, leads somewhere for an actual push for santana and ortiz yes it is a stable dissension tease but it's an earned one and it's one coming at the correct point in a stable where it's like the inner circle has run its course we're really in overtime at this point you know they've even moved away from it and now we're just kind of going back to it when it's convenient for this eddie kingston story uh, so it makes perfect sense with the characters and their timelines and their arcs. Uh, and it's not just doing it because that's the story that we know how to do, or that's the story that we've, you know, been creative enough to come up with. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, a nicely put together little interview segment here. Uh, they did a great job. You know, Eddie planted the seeds in some media or podcast interview uh, where he talked about, uh, Santana Ortiz would be tag champs if not for Chris Jericho. So they had that out there to sort of set the table. Um, and then it plays perfectly into where we want all these characters to go. You've got the Jericho and Eddie thing that's going to create further issues between them because now, you know, it's it's driven a wedge between Jericho and Santana Ortiz. You've got Santana Ortiz with their loyalty to Eddie from TNA. Uh, and then you've, yeah, got some kind of juice now behind Santana and Ortiz. You know, if they come out of the stable, if they come out of this feud to say, hey, you know, we're aware what's being said. We're aware that we're underused and underpushed and, uh, you know, can be at a higher position than we are. So everything coming out of this is encouraging. Um, yeah, the, you know, the funny kind of weak link is uh, Jericho on the mic is just going to get exposed by Eddie Kingston week in and week out. And that's like not even a bad thing because it's going to be funny every time it happens. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's the kind of the flip side of that coin, I guess. Yeah, it, it's going to be real amusing to see Chris Jericho's face when he realizes he's kind of getting eaten alive and he's going to start just like, if we think GFY is just just reaching for straws or just grasping for what he can try to do at this point, imagine what's going to happen when Eddie Kingston, like after like Eddie Kingston starts shouting at him to fight him. That is going to be tremendous. Like, just wins across the boards there. Uh, the, the thing that I find interesting about this, and it kind of plays into how sometimes they're able to do this very well, and I think they're they're on the verge of doing this in a great fashion, is weaving in and out of storylines. Because you have 2.0 and Daniel Garcia that you know have been making themselves like the professional pain in everyone's asses. And it kind of, in a way, has is merging into this feud that's going to happen probably with Jericho and Eddie. 
and then you you add in the Santana and Ortiz bit, and I think it's like a really smart and fascinating way to run this program because then you could have a lot of different directions coming out of here and i thought that santana as someone that i feel like we say each time he gets a chance to talk he needs to get more mic time knocked it out of the park here with this as well so i I think that this was a really a strong point for santana ortiz and hopefully the start of something yeah i was gonna say hell i thought santana ate jericho up on the mic in this little segment so i would love to see him uh, get more of an opportunity to to do that. Do we think Jericho is like, obviously GFY is not going to work or, or, you know, get over, but do we think he's going to like blame it on Moxley? Like Moxley fucking stole my catchphrase. He came out and said, go fuck yourself. And now I'm, um, that's the reason GFY didn't work. That's probably happening, right? Absolutely. That's fine. He's, he's drinking and, and having that take right now. <laughs> the, the, this is when like, we want to see the backstage camera of Jericho during this. Cause you can just see him like muttering under his breath. Motherfucker. This guy got to this. That's it. I have to go think of another thing to say. Just like insane to not only think that's going to work, but think it's going to work so well that you've already planned for a t-shirt to drop. <laughs> just very funny. All right, our listener elite for this week, you want to be featured on uh, listener elite or delete, you just got to sign up for the Patreon. Join our Discord where we do elite or delete every week. Uh, Listener and patron Jamie Wonders' elite pick was the main event, obviously, Jamie says. Uh, Yeah, we haven't talked about that yet with Sting and Darby versus the Acclaim. Yeah, really uh, fun main event. Started off, you know, as always with the acclaimed, you automatically have a bunch of heat coming out from their promo. Uh, and then you get the great Sting and Darby entrances. Uh, they did the worked injury to Darby, which, you know, was a choice for the whole like heat section of the match here. But that was like largely, I think, at a commercial break. So that was probably smart on that part. It did. The match did die a little in the commercial break when it was like, oh, Sting really has to carry this entire match by himself at this age with two guys just beating on him um but they turned it right back up when darby came back for the save unbelievable shot at this this director or i don't know if it's the camera people have have gotten better at it or whatever but they do these incredible i don't want to use the terminology incorrectly but i think i am um not a tracking shot it's where they're following someone running very quickly across the ring and it's from the you know, horizontal angle on them. Uh, you just have the perfect, you know, focus on it where they're perfectly in focus and behind them, it's like high speed blur. They've, they've all of a sudden become masters at this. And they got this unbelievable shot of Darby coming in off the stage or something at high speed, uh, cut to it at the perfect time. So it seemed like he was a fucking phantom coming in from, uh, the fans shoulders or something. Um, so I, I think this new director they have is an upgrade. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you know, get, <laughs> More crazy old man sting doing bonkers things, uh, no selling and flying, taking huge flying leaps through tables, uh, and uh, babyface team getting the win. If I have a, a complaint about the match or really the show, it's uh, you know, I think we need a, a direction here for Sting and Darby as a team. They're doing this program with the acclaimed, but you know, if they're going to beat the acclaimed, there's no question about that. I think, I think we need to, to get them to a title program. Yeah, this was something that I broke Aaron's brain with this morning on Light, was saying I thought the Acclaim should win. And I thought that because you you have to have something with Darby and Singh at this point because they've now beaten the number one tag team. And 
it, it's something that's like, what are you going to do with this? Because if it's something like, are you going to really have a Darby and Sting title run? So then they have to lose to the champions. And it's like, who's going to benefit most from defeating Sting? And, you know, I guess now they don't have to worry about that right now. But this rocked. Uh, uh, the acclaimed just like they feel like an act that as soon as they want to do the face turn with them, they are going to become one of the most popular acts in the company because they already feel like one of the ones. I mean, casters entrance with the rap and all that, and especially the, with the video added in today with staying really add to it. Uh, I think it's interesting the fact that I that this Darby coffin drop out of nowhere has become like such a trademark when it was just a nice shot that they managed to pull off once. And now it kind of feels like each time like Darby is taken out of a match or is on the floor and I'm like thinking, all right, it's going to be about time for Darby to come back. And then I start anticipating to see like, all right, are we going to get like an insane Darby out of nowhere camera shot? And boy, howdy, we got one of those today. And I, the, the thing that I appreciated from singing this is that Sting is at a point now where he can just go jump off a stage, basically body surf into the timekeeper's table. And you're just like, holy shit, Sting, you just did it again. And it's just like, this is a guy living his best life right now, considering what his career ended up being when he finally made the WWE debut. Like the fact that now he's like doing this and seems like having the time of his life, it, it, it rules. It, it's so much fun. Yeah, but the one thing, I mean, we disagreed on who should win the match this morning on light, but uh, you have a point that is like, well, where are you going with Sting and Darby? Like, are they going to, I mean, they are a push commodities, a tag team, but are they going to be like tag title contenders or or challengers? How often do you want to have Sting wrestle? Um, And I I think that's interesting because like the acclaimed is a, they're not that protected, but I think they're like a well-pushed team. Like that feels like a, a good win to beat a team like that, especially when, you know, Darby was out for half the match. You know, that <laughs> kind of uh, speaks speaks well of the Sting and Darby team. So I'm pretty curious of, of where they want to go with this team. You know, I did also have the thought that maybe the Acclaim should win this. I, I think that would have been a big signature win for either one of those young guys who are like, like you said, very frequently featured on television, but don't have any wins at all that I can think of. Um, but on the other hand, you know, they don't really have a direction for Sting and Darby right now. And I don't think that they were, you know, <laughs> so they had even less of a direction for the acclaimed right now, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, if they were going to win this match, it's right. not like that mid they were getting the big title push. I mean, maybe that heats them up for a Jurassic Express challenge. Maybe that's a, a valid reason to do it, but uh, you know, I, I'm not going to really complain about playing it safe and having the superstar team win because superstar teams should be protected. But that is why I think they need to just put the AAA belts on Sting and Darby. I think that's the perfect usage for them. And it's we should also something... talk about the the video that Darby has posted now on Twitter, where he and Sting were stuck in traffic behind a car with plates that said AE dub. So Darby got out of the car, went up to the window and started chanting AE dub to the guys in the car. <laughs> oh shit. I got to see this. <laughs> it rocks. <laughs> it It's something though, that like, what do you do with Sting and Darby after they had, they suffer that loss, unless they do get like a short, like tag team title run that's like all right we had sting was an aew champion at one time 
So like the, in a way, because like you also have Darby with the Andrade storyline. So it's like you, you always have this in the back pocket, which is great, especially considering that Friday is a live rampage. So this was a good match to like end your show on and the major portion of your evening with the B face stand tall. I just wonder like if this was like a good time to like have the acclaim lose. Like, is, is this something that like when you're trying to like build up like heels now for a Bayface champion team, like you, I, I just like, like, yeah, it's singing Darby. They should have won in a vacuum, but I just wonder how things are with the tag team division. Cause we're getting a gun club tag team title match, which I'm not complaining about, but that, that, that tells you what the state of the tag team division is at this point this portion kind of um, sounded like he like yeah. was complaining about it i maybe half-hearted complaining half-hearted that's almost an elite for me i mean they do have i mean there is a story for darby and sting it somehow plays into this andrade story yeah i can't i can never figure out what story's going on with andrade he's all yeah, over I, mean, the place. I don't know I it's fine i'm enjoying it is you know jose gets tv time i'm happy Absolutely. Let's talk about the things we didn't like. Uh, so, Nate, what's your delete pick from this week's episode? Uh, I'm going to delete them, like seemingly retconning Leo Rush off the show. I don't understand what's going on with this. Last week, it was Jay Lethal filling in as Dante Martin's, you know, protector or mentor or whatever. Uh, and now this week, he's fully gone back to the Seidel side. Uh, which was like the whole point of the original Leo Rush thing was was him breaking away from Seidel. And now, you know, the Seidel and Lee Moriarty, that's a that's a good place for him to be, but we just had the whole story of him choosing to go with Leo instead, and that was, you know, going into the team testing. Uh, I don't understand it. Uh, Rover was on Twitter like, you know, oh, he asked for time off with his family or, you know, he's trying to avoid COVID stuff. Uh, but that doesn't make any sense because he's making New Japan dates. He's on the big GCW show this weekend. Uh, so it's not like he's not traveling and doing wrestling shows. Uh, and, you know, I can't help but wonder, is this because he had the temerity to say that Tony Khan's tweet about Big Swole was fucked up? Uh, you know, I don't know that to be the case, but he hasn't been on TV since then. So you wonder. Um, so that annoys me. It kind of, it kind of bothers me that. Leo Rush seems to have disappeared. Um, and I would like that to be resolved. Yeah. And the, the whole thing with like his family, it, it, the fact that like he's working this much outside of the company where one would assume protocols wouldn't be as, uh, cl- you would think that GCW wouldn't necessarily be as stringent on protocols as AEW. I think that's a fair statement to say well gcw is new york so they just have to go by the new york protocols for this show which for are this show pretty for stringent show, though. yeah i don't like, know what other gcw dates he might be doing yeah so it, it it that doesn't really fly in my books but so so yeah the the natural conclusion is like is this because of that of the swole tweet and it, it, it's something also that like they have to figure out like some way because now it's over a year of doing this, of knowing when to end a Team Taz storyline. Because yet again, like after he got the win on Hops, yet again we still have more uh, Dante Martin versus Team Taz. 
and it's stringing on forever at this point. And it just, it's something like, I like the act, like as you're saying, Nate, like uh, Dante, Seidel, and Lee are a great act. It's just like, what are we doing here? And like, you have Leo, then you have Jay Lethal, and then Jay Lethal gets like, there was a shot taken at Jay Lethal, I guess, by Cody in an interview in the promo today. Like, it's just very a lot of things are was happening that a shot all the or time. was he putting him over i mean we'll get to it i'm sure but <laughs> yeah i'm sorry we'll get to it him over wasn't dante like opposed to sidel at some point like yeah they uh, had the a match series on youtube that right. they later had dante kind of looking to sidel for guidance and then leo came in and then that i guess made sidel mad like it, right, it's had that, a lot of things happen, but it just feels like nothing has happened. I, I just don't remember them being cool with each other until this sudden backstage segment. Maybe there's something that I'm. Oh, there was the but... save last week. There was the save last week. Dante yeah. saved. Leo, right, right, right. It's just like Leo, Lee and uh, Matt Sadell. But that certainly suggests, as you're saying, Nate, that Leo is just gone. Like we're just pretending he never existed. Yeah, uh, and he's work since the last time he worked aw he's worked vxs defy and in and new japan strong so it's to say he's like taking time off is like you know just pull up the fucking cage match my man he's not yeah i don't like it um don't care for it don't care for it at all i agree i agree i'm i'm pro leo this is a pro leo podcast for sure for sure all right uh, Mike, what was your delete pick from this week's episode? Also, when I every time I say that, I think about somebody starting a podcast where they do elite and delete of our takes from uh, our podcast. All right, that's all. Don't do <laughs> how that. How long? How long has this been the case? My whole life, as far as I can remember. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, th- <laughs> <laughs> I. I had one that, and I'm kind of changing my mind. No, I'm going to go back to that. Oh, uh, why did we have like a 12 minute uh, Frankie Kazarian and Lance Archer match? Like, why was that the match that got that went on so long there when you're building up Lance Archer as a as a title challenger on a show that had a lot of squash matches? Why wasn't the guy that that is in your title program and is coming back from injury? Why is he going 12 minutes? Like, I feel like this is something that happens like every few months, and it's always befuddles me but like the this match was just nothing for me it just like happened and i was like lance archer should have like just power bombed into the net mat and then started doing the claw and i've been fine with it i was happy about the page stuff that came on later but just the match itself went on forever yeah i you know i i wouldn't volunteer of all the people on the roster to have a long match for you know frankie kazarian to be the to be the guy you know they haven't invested in him to the point where he gets big reactions or anything and you know uh i thought the match was you know good enough pretty good you got uh a lot of lance archer beating his ass and you know it's not like it was a 50 50 match like that kazarian and christian one was it was like a 70 30 match or even like an 80 20 match or something so i don't have any complaints there i think probably the answer is <laughs> they just had so many other squashes on this show that they had to give a match some time to fill out the card and to give the crowd, you know, a match with some more meat to it. So I think that's probably the most likely reason they didn't want to do yet another, you know, decisive win in, in five minutes or something. 
And I guess if so, if you're going to do that, uh, you know, one match is going to have to go through the commercial break. So uh, you may as well have that one be the one that goes through the commercial break there. And it also does, I think, just set the table a little better for the hangman shine at the end where it's like, you know, this is going to be our big champion babyface moment on the show where he's going to come out and, you know, confront this guy. So it just gives you a little more prologue to that babyface shine moment. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I guess I can kind of talk myself into what they were thinking. Here's my counter to that. You have CM Punk out there for only like 45 seconds in like his first show. Yeah, in but that was great. He fucking killed Sean Spears in one move. That was awesome. But you want to give the fans like a longer match. You give them the CM I don't Punk want a longer match. Sean Spears match. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I mean, I'd rather have a longer Sean Spears match than a Frankie Kazarian match. Personally. I, mean, I think Frankie Kazarian tends to have better matches. He has better offense than Sean Sears. And neither of them are like cool personas where you like want to see their shtick. So, you know. That's true. But I've seen Sean Spears have a good match more recently than I've seen Frankie Kazarian have a good match. So I'll, I'll, I would take Spears. I mean, to me, I just don't get the point of doing these long match, a long match with Lance Archer when you're trying to set him up to face the champion. You know, I get that it was 70-30, but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel that way over 12 fucking minutes or whatever. It's like, can he just beat this guy? And, and we can it move did, on? It, it did feel like, like it was 70-30 to me. And, and again, you know, I also saw the whole fight feed and the whole, you know, ad break stuff. He was just beating his ass for like the whole thing. So, you know, you, you do the, oh, you know, he's a sadist. He really wants to punish this guy and beat him up or whatever. And there's your justification. So, yeah, I, you know, I... I Neither of you are wrong, but I, I kind of see the rationale. Well, I had something else I wanted to bitch about, but I guess uh, nobody's talked about it. So I guess I'm going to talk about it. The fucking uh, people have put me on tilt about this. The Cody promo was god awful. <laughs> just a miserable promo. It had one good germ of an idea in it, and then it just... It, then it just was shit. It was just a big poopy filled <laughs> diaper and like a poopy filled diaper that no one changes. You know, you're, you're fucking, you're at your friend's house. They had a kid and whatever reason, they don't want to change the goddamn diaper. You just have to sit around and smell shit in their house while you wait for somebody. You don't want to be the guy who's like, Hey bro, I think your baby shit their pants. You know, so you you let it go. That's what this was like. It was just like a big pile of shit in the middle of the ring. Uh, <laughs> and we all had to look at it and smell it. I don't really think this has really come together, this analogy for me. Uh, but uh, mm. I, I can make it work for you. It, all right. here, Bring it together. Ooh, let's, let's hear it. It wasn't just like a shit promo, Aaron. It was yeah. like explosive diarrhea because he was just going in every direction. Every you direction. Can, just making you can call every it a loose reference. explosion. Yes. Yes. Call it a Yoshihashi. Well, it reminded me a lot of Yoshihashi because it was so fucking bad. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ. This guy comes out and the crowd does not give a shit. When he first walks out, there's like no response. And this was a pretty hot crowd. And then uh, he got him going a little bit for sure early on in this promo when he was doing the whole bit about how he invented the forbidden door or something. Uh, he built the forbidden door. Uh, but then, you know, by the end, when he just starts like talking about some guys, he's like just doing his tight 
it's not even a tight five because it went on for fucking eight minutes uh where he's like oh uh jay lethal and how about uh this other guy over here what about lance archers i don't know if you mentioned lance archer but he's like oh and uh brody king is here why does he want to be named brody in this promotion you know just strange shit (laughs) and it's like when he first does the punk thing i mean it was cringe but at least it had this thing that made sense of i you know punk said he would do all this shit but i'm the guy who did all that like this is what we talked about when we first said the cody thing wasn't working you know we were talking about how cody was the standard bearer for that sort of idea and then punk came in and and blows him out of the water because he's the real thing and cody is pushing back and saying no he's not i'm the real thing I left WWE and went and did the stuff Punk said he would do. It's like, okay, that's interesting. That's a compelling story. And it feels real. It feels like for one of the first times in this company, it feels like what Cody actually thinks. Like, you know, it pisses him off that the fans love Cody and they don't, or they love Punk and they don't love him. So just give that to me. Well, I mean, you, you kind of worked against yourself there because right at the end, you said all the reasons this was actually really compelling television. So that was I'm not gonna... 90 seconds of the promo and there was five more minutes after that. Well, so the the overarching idea was I'm going to do a punk bomb. So he was emulating CM Punk's pipe bomb where he was pulling all these other things out of the promotion, commenting on them and saying, hey, here's why this is bad. Here's why this is happening. So that was, you know, he set that up with the punk analogy. And then he's like, "Okay, now I'm going to shoot on this and I'm going to shoot on this and I'm going to shoot on this. So that was that was the theory of the promo. I'm not I'm not going to say his fucking random. Oh, my real life friend, Ricky Starks. What what's he doing? That was no good. None of those asides went anywhere or were any good and i barely understood them if i did understand them uh so you're you're totally correct about that uh so while i won't say it was a good promo i will say it was captivating television (laughs) i could not look away uh for a couple reasons one the original idea the idea that you know punk set the stage for you know a, a revolution against the wwe and going to new japan and doing all these things uh, and he didn't do them. He didn't have the, I mean, he didn't, what he should have said is he didn't have the balls to do them. That's what he should have said. Uh, I actually went out and did them. So he's not the real thing. Cause I actually fucking did that shit. That should have been the idea of the promo. Yes. Uh, the problem is, I guess maybe that would turn him heel and he didn't want to cross that bridge, but that's obviously the white elephant in the room. That would be a compelling idea and feud and, and whatever else you want to do. Uh, but the rest of it was, like you said, uh, Cody being real, just the guy in there saying his honest thoughts about whatever they were as uh, as uh, illegible as they may have been. And then just the fucking absolutely authentic and unpredictable crowd reaction to all of that, where it's like, okay, everybody kind of hates Cody right now. He's going to come out here and he's just going to like, you know, quote unquote, shoot about all this stuff. And we're going to get a live crowd reacting to that and like hearing individual people calling out the building was small enough that you could hear individual people calling out throughout the show, which added a whole different element to it. So I, I, it was super compelling to me. I could not look away. Uh, it did not build more interest in the match to me, but uh, it was extremely memorable. I thought, I mean, you know, probably the most memorable thing after the Moxley promo. So uh, 
I, I found it fascinating. That's the other weird thing, though, is there's no actual suggestion that there's a Cody versus Punk feud in the offing. This wasn't part of a yeah. feud. It was just like him saying some stuff. So just fucking strange. He's he's yeah, he's, he's building he's a story. He's a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. He's shooting an angle that isn't happening. <laughs> right. And and it's the more compelling angle than what he is doing, for sure. Absolutely. And to me, more compelling than what Punk is doing also. Yeah, I can understand that also. I mean, the you know, the Punk stuff they did in the show is good, but the, that's that's the feud with some meat to it, with some with some authenticity to it. You know, that's the Punk and Kingston feud. That that's like, no, there's a real you know, uh, 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 issue here that they can push on and, and get actual fierce reactions from people on both sides of it, where it's like, no, you punk's better. No, Cody actually did that shit. Um, so I mean, I would hope they do the thing, but yeah, I, you know, I, he, he's always too cute by half and he's doing, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I don't have that much time on this contract. They didn't send me the contract that I want on all this stuff is like, he, he just really likes this, you know, wink, wink stuff about shooting and he's done it all the time. He's just a weirdo that way. It's something where like there was the meat to it. Like there absolutely was. And he could have absolutely, if he honed in and then it was like really going on and seeing a punk and that was it, it would have been, it would have been interesting. It would have been like, all right, now we could see like clearly what Cody is going to, but it's, it's a whole lot of, his thing that he does where he or at least the character Cody like acts like he holds the crowd in such high regard and then it, and he plays into it by making all these references but at the end of the day he's trying to do these things I guess to get a reaction because it amuses him and it and instead it leaves people confused like like Nate it was riveting it was insane it was like watching someone just kind of have like a break on camera for a little bit but it's just like all right now we have this uh ladder match coming up that sammy knows about and shot a video without a key light because he's in brazil right now doing signs here and it's just like oh we're not even really doing much of a contested champions thing we're just closing this up right now that i was just kind of like oh we're not we're not going to go down this avenue very long way. We're just going to tie this up with a bow after two weeks. Oh, okay. I also, his, his opening line was actually funny to me. <laughs> he just goes, so what do you guys want to talk about? That was funny. Was that on TV or was that during an ad break? That was on TV. I, okay. okay. It reminded me of uh, the some VMAs. I don't think I ever actually saw the original video, but MTV would constantly run these history, the VMAs things. Here's, you know, talking heads talking about all these different VMAs and Paul Rubens, PB Herman, after he got busted for jacking off the theater coming out and going, so you guys hear any good jokes lately? So it reminded me of that thing from 1972. Yes. Cody very much reminds me of PB Herman. I think there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, listener delete. I think it's time for uh, our friend and patron Grinder, the sentient hookup app, deletes no Julia turn on this show. I know Nate was upset. 
uh yeah i was trying to put together some kind of tweet about you know uh when the cheerleader comes out and she's not wearing a skirt and she's just wearing pants and like a like dark pants and a dark top it's like oh she's definitely teasing the turn here um but yeah i I, the julia turn would be funny but i think it's probably the safer thing to not have the black goop turn her evil i think that would be going into fiend territory so that this is probably the more sober choice to just have her be sad for a while or whatever so i can't really be upset about it i mean but the on the other hand you have you have Pac who said that the goop made him see clearly. So is she just really bummed about being gooped, whereas other people are Uh-oh. are getting powers out of this? Like, he can see clearly now, Pac. Maybe she's sad because she's realizing that Brian Pillman Jr. is a jobber, and she's stuck with a jobber team. Maybe she's sad because poor Griff got brained here, I think. I think he's dead. Uh, yeah, this was a, a great squash. This was another. I loved all the quick, decisive wins on this show. It made like the first, I think Mike said two thirds or some of the show fly by. Uh, and yeah, you accomplished a ton and a bunch of your stars looked great. I was all about it. All right, well, let's uh, run down the rest of the show. We had, of course, we started off with the Mox promo. Then we had MJF backstage. With Wardlow, he apologized to Wardlow for last week because it's Wardlow's birthday. And then he says, but you put your hands on me, so I'm going to have to dock your pay. Wardlow just stealing the segment without saying anything. Again, MJF was most charismatic in the Observer Awards last year. And, uh, you know, Wardlow doesn't have to say anything. And he just pops off the screen. He's a fucking superstar. Stay Batista. They got to push him before he goes to movies. Yeah, it's just the eyebrow raise. And next week's in Cleveland. So, I mean, they've now been going pretty hard on this tease, and we know it's a long drive between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, but he made that drive. Speaking of people who've made the drive from uh, Cleveland to Pittsburgh and back, we had Britt Baker and Adam Cole against Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy. Uh, Adam Cole got the win with the boom after a low blow on Orange Cassidy. Yeah, this was kind of fun. Um, I thought they did a good job because they had like Orange Cassidy in there, who's, you know, like a comedy guy. Um, they they built the match around the rules where the men and women aren't supposed to fight each other instead of just like making that like a like a handicap on the match where it just like makes the match awkward. Instead, they like built that into the story and stuff and, you know, used it to have, uh, you know, Statlander hit Adam Cole while he was like trying to shield Brit and stuff. So I thought that was smart. Um, Adam Cole did kick out of both of their finishers <laughs> immediately. Um, and I don't know. I kind of thought that Statlander should pin Brit here to set her up. And I know Aaron doesn't like champions losing pinfalls or whatever, but we're getting to the point where Brit needs a challenger that people are going to believe will win. Um, and you know, you, you can kind of give her a little cover by being, Oh, you know what? You didn't pin me in a singles match. You want me to mix tag match after, Orange Cassidy got involved and, and did X and Y or whatever. Uh, and I think that would have probably helped Chris a lot. I, I I like the fact that they, for like the first five minutes of the match, they did nothing except being over. Like this was like the, the crowd was just here for all the shenanigans with that. Uh, 
I, I just think it, w- it was going to be too early to go back to Chris anyways. I mean, she had a title challenge on a pay-per-view less than four months ago. So, but yeah, no, th- this match was fun. Uh, Adam Cole immediately like going like, oh, Britt went through a table. That's okay. Low blow the boom was just it, it made sense of him, like understanding his character, that he is a shithead, that he that that is his first reaction. He's got to win the match. OK, bye. Well, I mean, he did. They did a long sell on his face of being super pissed off. And then that's why he went after Orange that he buttered through the table. Uh, somebody did in the discord say delete. <laughs> Brit selling this single table like death after we just saw like, you know, they they go through three tables a show and we just saw like her in the lights out match. We saw Phoenix go through the table and get destroyed. Uh, so it was a little silly to be like, yeah, no tables. You know, she's like super dead now, even though, you know, it's like a, a, as common as a clothesline or whatever. Then we had the Jericho and Satana Ortiz segment. Uh, Adam Cole was backstage with Alex Marvez. That was the, I would probably have deleted had I not been left the Cody thing. Just like the fucking pure amount of backstage interviews on this show just drove me insane. Just like so many of them. I don't need to see Alex Marvez that many times anyway, but just like too much shit going on for, and like not interesting stuff going on backstage. I thought they were all pretty successful, really. And there was only like one attack, so that felt like an upgrade. I just just focus on things is is my thought on a television show generally. Alex Marvez earned his paycheck this week for once. I mean, it felt like every other segment was backstage with Alex Marvez. It was. It was. Adam Cole was Tony, mad. Tony did some of them. He did. Adam Cole was mad. He wants a lights out match with Orange Cassidy. So well, we're getting that. Uh, then we had a, a pre-tape with the Spears promo from last week, and then Punk saying, uh, "MJF, you're running out of bodies. Sooner than later, you're going to end up in the ring with me in the last place you want to wrestle." CM Punk, and then CM Punk versus Sean Spears, which he won with one move, the GTS. And after the match, MJF came in the ring, but he bailed. But Punk kept his scarf. That's cute. We had Billy Gunn outside. He confronted Christian Cage as he was coming in. He says, hey, the Ass Boys are in the top five. We want a shot at Jurassic Express. Christian says, the Ass Boys are just like you, Billy. They can't get a statement win. And here come Austin and Colton, and they attack Christian. And uh, Austin says they have now made a statement. Yeah, this is another good segment. This was a good way to set up this little match. You get, you know, Christian to get his little... Uh, you know, grounder for a double shot in on Billy Gunn here. Uh, we got the Gun Club doing something, so I liked it. I like yeah, this segment. segment was good. Yeah, I like this segment. I like the, the fact that Gun Club's getting to just to, to revisit that. I like the fact okay, that Gun yeah, Club's you're, getting you're, you're trying to take back your shot at the Gun Club from earlier, Mike. We're not forgetting that. I mean, never the Gun Club are ranked in the top five, and they finally made a statement. The acclaim basically win every match that they're in. I feel like I've never seen the acclaimed win a match. Because you don't watch Dark or Elevation, and they would, they're on like every single one of those, and they win a match each time. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would assume that all the main roster people win all their matches on Dark and Elevation. So it doesn't seem... More often than not. Right. I, I did like the fact that Billy stole the camera, and they made a big point of Billy Gunn stealing a camera backstage. 
Uh, the Cody promo was after that. And that, we didn't really say this, but that ended with him challenging Sammy for uh, with a ladder match at Beach Break. So that's coming up next week. Jade was backstage with Tony. Anna Jay was there. John Silver. Smart Mark Sterling was also there. Anna Jay is challenging Jade for the TBS title. All right. Malachi Black and Brody King took on the Varsity Blondes. Brody pinned... Uh, Brian Pillman with King's Inferno. And then after the match, Pac was up on the screen and he uh, sees clearly now. The goop is gone. You can see clearly now. The goop is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. A great video from Pac, as always. The Beyond Gorilla doing the stuff with Pac is always awesome stuff. And the the fact that they went a uh, split screen with Pack and Malachi Black was kind of fascinating to me. Something they don't do. They're, they're starting to do more split screen stuff, but I thought that was kind of interesting that they were having that for a pre-tape on the Jumbotron. So I thought that was interesting. They were fortunate to have a crowd that reacted to this stuff on the Jumbotron. Like they, yeah. the crowd popped for this stuff, which can be kind of a hard sell when it's like, hey, here's a little weird video to promote a match that you guys aren't seeing. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's also smart and beneficial when they do that to set up matches for Rampage because then the crowd is seeing them. So, like the Young Bucks and Rapongi Vice match, the crowd popped big for it. It's like, hey, we get to see that match. That's cool. Uh, so, that's uh, working well. Not this one, buddy. Rampage is live this week. Oh, uh, well, I assume all the same people are probably going. It's in the same city, same building. Then we had. A video for the Adam Page and Lance Archer match. Jake was back. Hangman says, uh, you think Bob Horton went home and herded fucking cattle? Great line. It was a good line. Uh, yeah, then we have the Rocky and Trent segment setting up the match with the Bucks. Lance Archer versus Frankie Kazarian, which Archer won with the blackout. And then that uh, ended in a Lance Archer and Adam Page showdown, had a little brawl. And uh, Paige stood tall at the end. Oh, John Moxley's uh, return from from rehab is one of the top videos on r slash free song. Slash what? F-R-I-S-S-O-N. Uh, have you ever felt a sudden passing sensation of excitement, a shudder of an emotion from an epic moment of a song or a climax of a movie? That is called frisson a word rooted from the french word meaning goosebumps or shiver it's uh you know people posting very sort of uh emotional or or touching kind of uh once in a moment kind of videos or moments from wherever um and john moxley is is, uh is performing right now love to do numbers Then we had the uh, Dante Moriarty, Matt Seidel uh, backstage segment with uh, Alex Marvez. Dante says he has their backs, and Lee Moriarty said that they'll watch his back until Darius comes back, which I thought was kind of a menacing uh, thing to say. (laughs) The minute that motherfucker comes back, it's over. (laughs) Kicked out of the side dojo as soon as that happened. That's right. Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs were backstage. Ricky Starks said that Dante better not have no brothers. And Hobbs said that he better watch out because Team Taz builds assassins. 
All right. I Yeah, Nate, you really liked all these backstage segments. You've had a lot to say about the fucking 500 of them that they've that they put yeah, on the show. They all succeeded. They were all functional and accomplished what they meant to. Here was a great one. Chris Statlander in Red Velvet backstage with Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Layla interrupted. Rude. She's mad Chris didn't give, this, give the same effort on Rampage, and they lost that match. And then Layla attacked Red and Chris. Yeah, I said my piece on this last week, I think, right? Or on Patreon? No, last week. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, same. I also did. Serena Deep versus Sky Blue. People kept saying Deep Talks, but I swear to God they said she won with Serenity Now. But Or was Jim Ross just saying Serenity Now just for fun? Yeah, he was. He was trolling you oh. individually. That was God damn it. God damn it, Jim Ross. This was pretty good. This was, uh, you know, Sky is relatively new. Uh, so you could see how this might go south. Um, but it was just Deeb being mean and peeling on her and kicking her ass uh, and getting a decisive win. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about people getting decisive wins. Uh, and, you know, Deeb does stuff like a swinging neckbreaker. And it does, it. it's a little bit snappier than other women do it. And it gets a bigger reaction from the crowd than when other people do it. And it got the, ch- the crowd to chant for her here. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, hey, you know, that's that's what people say Deeb is, and, and she lived up to it here, I thought. Yeah, in a match that, you know, I just, like, like with, like, Sky Blue, like, it's clear that they see something in Sky Blue, but, like, she comes out with, like, production music, and it's just like, okay, she lost her match, now she's off TV for three months again. I thought that Deeb came off, really, like, this is, like, the first time between this and Rotu is, like, the first time I've actually bought into deep as a wrestler on this roster and i think you're absolutely right about like the neck breaker spot there like there's a level of viciousness in the fact that she's in essentially her hometown and the crowd was extra invested in a venue that like i know it was a smaller venue but the fact that the crowd was basically right on top of the ring kind of helped with that kind of stuff here that in a match that like i was already kind of out on like the crowd and deeps being able to get the crowd into the match really helped out a lot I've made a concerted effort to never be horny on this podcast, but can we talk about the stardom level angle, uh, like camera angle at the end of this match? I, uh, I, I didn't even bring it up in the DM because I thought if, if I <laughs> talk about it in the DM, people would look at me funny. Uh, but it was almost a dangerous angle. Like it had me worried for yes, a little bit. Yeah. I know. I was like, oh no, that, that poor girl. Yes, it was. It was cool. Yeah. It was obscene. It was between that and the f bomb on this show. They're uh, they're going to stretch the limits of what TBS is, is can stomach. I'm going to write a FCC complaint about that angle. That was, right. was that the only time they went to that angle throughout the show? That camera angle where it was like above the ring. <laughs> I, as far as I remember, it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Very sure. I mean, yeah. All right, never mind. Just moving on. Fucked up. Uh, Dan Lambert, men of the year had a backstage video uh ethan page wants to challenge john moxley and he got his wish it's going to be on rampage this week then we had a, a video of of hook just hook the crowd was loud for the video oh, they loved like, it it was like the they they love hook with the the, the cold-hearted assassin or what they call this the, the uh stone cold i i forget i'm sorry they just called him cold-hearted um, i think Oh yeah, cold-hearted, the handsome, 
I forget what it was like. It's the handsome devil. The handsome devil. That's right. Sorry. The cold-hearted babyface assassin. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I like them staking out Rampage, just being like, "This is the Hook show." Like, you want to see Hook? Uh, tune into Rampage. Uh, crowd pops for him every time. Uh, so again, yeah, they, those people are coming again on Friday because they pop to see Hook. Uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw somebody tweet like, uh, "Hook," you know, like Hook's overrated and like you know the reason you like hook now is the same reason you like Dolph Ziggler in like 2011 or something and they tweeted this at like 2 a.m and I was like oh should I do a mental health check on this person <laughs> I was, I was like, my genuine genuine reaction like oh you're up this late tweeting tweeting angrily about people in wrestling liking something uh that I'm a little worried about where you're at right now and your your example is Dolph Ziggler from 2011, like legitimate concern there. Uh, interesting. This will I think is Hook's first live match because all the other rampages he's been on has been taped, so that'll hmm. be kind of a cool thing. And Serpentico, we know he's gonna die really cool, so I'm stoked for that. That Hook show. What do you guys think? Ah, uh, nah. nah, no. All right. THS, yeah, doesn't really work. <laughs> All right, you tried. You, you you tried. Good effort there. The buddy. hook. The hook experience. THX. Oh, like the sound or whatever. Yeah, I mean, at least it stands for something. Yeah. Like what the about... Viking experience. <laughs> <laughs> what about the? Uh, hmm. What's a word that starts with A? <laughs> Apple. The hook apple. Boom. <laughs> Ab? <laughs> the boom. <laughs> oh god. Oh okay. man. All right, let's okay. let's get on to the awards here. Yeah, Hold on. Yeah, I yeah. got we got one more thing. Matt Hardy, HFO, Andrade, backstage with Tony. Hardy sold fifty one percent of HFO to Andrade. Yeah. This rocked. Uh, <laughs> I did like this. Yeah. Private party apparently are board members, and no one else is. Uh, that was that was a great detail. That yeah, means they listened like, to the show last week. They were like, "Oh, we gotta fix this." <laughs> hey, I mean, they got on the board, but their their future is secured. I don't know about TH two and the butcher that blade the bunny. It seemed like that was a shock to them to hear about this. Of course, Jose has a board seat as well, and. I am now I'm instantly like much more interested in the Hardy family office than I've ever been. And I think that this, this is great. Like this is like getting the heel units, like joining up like Aaron, th this would be something like right at, right in your neck of the woods that you'd be into. I'd feel like, uh, Hey, the HFO board is more diverse than the AW EVPs. Am I right? Yeah, I guess probably technically. <laughs> yeah. 75%. Oh yeah. I got people of color. <laughs> Jose gets a promotion here. It's great for him. Absolutely. And then they had the main event, Darby Pin Bowens with the coffin drop. Uh, that was Dynamite for this week. If you like our show, best way to support it is go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We got a bunch of shows there. It's cool. We also, I just wanted to put over the Discord this week because that's like a really fun part of uh, being a part of our Patreon, I think. It's a fun little community. We always enjoy chatting during the shows and at other times. So I think you would like it if you signed up. I think you'd enjoy it. So come on over. You just have to ignore 
Uh, as soon as you join the Discord, everybody will hit this little button to where these crazy animations pop up. And only one, since that happened, literally one person has joined the Discord and then stuck around to chat with us. And that, that's a shout out to our, our friend Beanlar in the Patreon, in the Discord, who has stuck around despite the insane animation. I'm not. That's. I don't think that's literally true. I think people I get think scared is. off by the initial wave, of of the screaming peach emojis, and then they they come back like days later, in then in another channel to like contribute something normal and be like, I would just like to be a normal person chatting here and not have an onslaught of emojis at me. <laughs> I gotta ban whatever that thing is that does that. I don't think I can. No, I will. I will do it manually if you ban it. <laughs> uh, but something we did on the Patreon this week was our awards show, where we all nominated our favorites in various categories. It's our third year of awards, and uh, I don't think I said it's Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. But now we had all our so we nominated, then our patrons voted, and now tonight we're going to announce the winners of all our awards. And I'm learning these winners for the very first time. As we go through these, uh, we started at the top when we did nominations. I think I'm going to start at the bottom for these and we'll, we'll build here. Does that sound good? Good plan. Okay. So the uh, last slash first award is for the best shoulder content in AEW. The nominees were Evil Uno's Vlog, Being the Elite, Choco Pro Social Media, and The Chugs. And your winner was Being the Elite. With thirty nine percent, that's uh, that's not good news, Nate. Now it's fine news for me. Uh, high percentage. I'm. That's almost a majority. Yes. Uh, I didn't think. I didn't think they had an especially strong year, but honestly, it was a little surprised that Choco Pro didn't put up more of a fight. Yeah, I, I tried. You know, I do. I like the. Whenever I see the Choco Pro stuff come up on my timeline, I'm like, oh, that's cute or whatever. And then I don't actually ever feel inclined to click on it. Very good one today with uh, J.D. Drake teaching Emmy Sakura over yonder as an English phrase. <laughs> Is that an English phrase? I mean, somewhat. Okay. Uh, dark Wrestler of the Year. Uh, this is our favorite wrestler that mostly appears on Darker Elevation. Nominees were Ricky Shane Page, May Saruga, Emi Sakura, Darius Lockhart, and Emi Sakura runs away with it with 46% of the vote. It's probably the correct choice. Emmy's great yes. on Dark, yeah. She is. Uh, next up is Best Intangible. We basically just kind of throw stuff in here that doesn't really fit in other places, our nominees were Jose, the assistant, the gun club, the boom, and it's time for the main event. And I'm somewhat surprised the boom wins with 47%. I thought it's time for the main event wow. to put up a, a better fight. I think we, we have not done an adequate job of smartening our listeners up to Jose, the assistant and all his brilliance. I think, I think that's he probably a poor job by us. What? Only 11% for Jose. The okay, assistant. now now I'm disappointed in the voters. I think we have a problem where uh, the leadership of the podcast is doing great and we're just being let down by our voters. God damn it. I didn't know that you were going to go to that joke, so I was trying to get myself there. And uh, But that's that was your plan all along. Very good. Breakout star, 
Our nominees were Dante Martin, Hook, Jade Cargill, and Daniel Garcia. This one was damn close. Hook wins with 45%. Dante Martin got 39% of the vote, though. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Well, you were mad. Hook's year was 2022. 2022 is Hook's year. I'm sorry, what year? 2022. I said the right year. I just took a weird beat in between <laughs> 20 and 2. I'm getting a little loopy, so I really liked that. Noticed that. Yeah. The best on Twitter nominees were Nyla Rose, Luther, Jose the Assistant, and Anthony Agogo. And your winner is Nyla Rose with 71%. Ooh, blowout. Ran I, away I, with I, it. Yeah, she deserved it. And. You know, Chuck Taylor has had a good tweet to start off this year. Maybe we could get him trying to come back for his throne. Yes, Chuck did win the first two years of Best on Twitter and then didn't even get nominated. Got to do more than one tweet, though. That's true. Need need Um, to up those output levels. Best on interviews. This is the biggest runaway so far. Our nominees were Eddie Kingston, Dan Lambert, John Moxley, and Max Caster. And Eddie Kingston got 81% of the vote. Yeah, it's about uh, it's Okada levels, maybe. Is that yeah, about right? Yeah, th- this is Eddie's category until he leaves the, the company, I feel like. Well, that's two years in a row that he's won. So he's, he's building, uh, he's going to need to build a trophy shelf for all these awards. Sorry, we do send out physical trophies. Yes, we do. Feud of the year. Adam Page versus Brian Danielson. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk. Inner Circle versus American Top Team. Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk is your winner with 47%. Yeah, that was really great TV. It it feels like it was probably the shortest of those feuds. It was. Hey. Um, you know, they do have a, an issue with kind of knowing when to end feuds also, I think. So, yeah, that makes you, sense. And if you look at the ones that have won the award in the past, like Cody versus Chris Jericho was a six week feud. So it, it lines up sometimes short works out a whole lot better for them. Show of the year. We had a lot of complaints that we didn't nominate full gear. Our nominees were the first dance, double or nothing, all out. And Grand Slam, and all out one with seventy nine percent of the vote. I mean, those were all pretty major shows. Um, we didn't end up nominating any. Well, I guess Grand Slam was technically TV, but it was like their biggest show ever, really. Well, I, um, I also nominated the first dance, which was a TV show. Oh yeah, maybe that was a bad nomination. No, that was yeah, a good I, nomination. I guess, I guess I will blame that on you. And it finished second no, I, in the voting. <laughs> Better than whatever I, you picked. Yeah. Uh, I Unless you the winner, all out. All out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did they complain about? Revolution? Was that it? Full gear. Full, full, gear. full gear. Yeah, that was not a standout show to me. So I stand by our non-nomination. All right. Next yeah, I, I, I'm thinking out. I'm thinking. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I'm thinking outside of uh, like Paige winning the belt at full gear, like two months later. That's what I remember from full gear. I think uh, MJF and Darby had a great match. I think that's they the did, other thing yeah. that happened. Yeah. Uh, Dan Lambert wrestling, I guess. So, yeah, I remember more full gear, but all out. Yeah. I, th- I forget what my nominee was. My nominee was uh, Double or Nothing, 
I had a reason for that. I oh no. Maybe I nominated Dumbo or nothing. Yeah, I think mm, I did. Now the truth oh, comes wow. out. It looks like I've picked a lot of winners this year then. Wow. No, you picked Grand Slam. All out was our consensus, maybe. No, maybe I, I remember you switching lanes. This is not important at all. Uh, <laughs> we did. You, you switched lanes at the end. You were like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to change my mind to Grand Slam. Maybe that was just when we were deciding on the last one. Maybe. I don't remember. Tag team of the year. The Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers, Darby Allen and Sting, Jurassic Express. The Young Bucks won with 59% of the vote. How unusual. <laughs> well, it's the first, the first time, time they won an R. An R? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, they win the Observer Award every year. so. Yeah, but it's their first time winning ours. All right, we got two Actually, more. Actually, I think the Lucha Brothers won the last two Observer right. Awards. We'd have to have four more, wouldn't we? Yeah. Women's wrestler, no, women's match of the year. Our nominees were the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa Lights Out match, Emmy Sakura, Maki Ito, and Veni versus Hikaru Shida, Mei Suruga, and Rin Katakura, uh, Veni versus Emmy Sakura, and Tai J versus Penelope Ford and the Bunny. And your winner, of course, was the Lights Out match with 73% of the vote. Yeah, it was a cool match. <laughs> kind of surprised that uh, maybe recency bias that uh, Ty J and Penelope and the Bunny finished second there. People just like to see women bleed, I guess. Or our listeners just like to see women bleed. They do. Well, and, you know, Nate, our other Gory picks. Gory self-mutilation, etc. Yes. Our other picks were, you know, all Japanese women on the on YouTube shows. <laughs> so who knows that's, how many people even watch That's those. true. Yeah. <laughs> but we're good. We're great, yeah. Uh, men's match of the year, we had the Young Bucks Lucha Brothers cage match from All Out, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson from Grand Slam, uh, Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage, and Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, and uh, the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers won with 45%. Omega and Danielson had 41%. Justice. Justice is served. I, I can't uh, support our listeners on this how did how did your nomination do on this one uh it got let's see i'd already closed it nate it 7%. got seven percent it tied hmm. with danielson and, and eddie for for third essentially so i'll take it i also I don't, did that thing that we did the other day for the other podcast did that come out oh i don't know I don't know yet. No. Okay. Well, then I won't. I won't talk about it. I guess just in case. Women's Wrestler of the Year nominees: Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Hikaru Shida, Ty Conti. Britt Baker wins with forty nine percent. Rosa had forty percent. Well, yeah, Britt. You know, big star, champion on TV, much more than Thunder Rosa. So hard to argue. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Uh, it this award, it's usually the person who has the longest title run during that year. So, makes sense. Brett Baker. I mean, Brett's all over TV. So, yeah. And finally, our men's wrestler of the year. The nominees were Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Kenny Omega, and Adam Page. And Brian Danielson wins with 49%. Not particularly close in the end. Oh, wow. It's a little surprising to me. I guess, well, 
Yeah, he, I mean, he peaked very high. He was he was around for a short period and had a bunch of badass matches. So, sure, concentrated. You know, I mean, back half there. Uh, Kenny had an interesting twenty twenty one, and it's gonna be something to like. His title run will be a real fun conversation to have in a few years. I feel like. I think we'll look back and it will make sense. So like, oh yeah, that was the year Brian Danielson had all those sick ass matches in AEW. So I think it'll look even better with time. All right. Well, uh, Rampage this weekend. I think it's me and Mike talking yep, yep. on World Tour on the Patreon. And we got Rapongi Vice versus the Bucks. John Moxley versus Ethan Page, Hook versus Serpentico, and Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay for the live Rampage. So it should be a fun show. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything. I mean, we get a nice throwback tag. We get Hook match. Uh, Jade versus Anna Jay would be really interesting. And a, max, and a match that you'll hate with someone you just like, Aaron. Oh, yeah. There's almost no chance I like the John Moxley versus Ethan Page match, but we'll see. And then next week on Dynamite, it's Beach Break, baby, in Cleveland, TNT ladder match, Cody versus Sammy, a lights out match, uh, Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole, and Chris Jericho, Santana Ortiz will take on Daniel Garcia and 2.0. And folks, Wordlow turn, maybe a Wordlow turn in Cleveland? I don't know. I'm, you know, they're at a good place now where you think maybe it's just around the corner week after week. And then when they don't do it, I, I, I'm not getting mad. I'm just like, oh, not yet. Still keeping us primed. And Johnny Gargano in Cleveland? I mean, the, his t-shirt was only for two weeks, and that two weeks is up around when beach breaks happens. And, and I think Rampage that week is also a beach break Rampage. So expect a bigger Rampage as well. So it could be there, or it could be on Friday. Hmm. Interesting. All right, well, we'll be talking about Rampage on the Patreon this weekend. We'll be talking about Dynamite, of course. Well, we'll preview it on the Patreon on Light. Mike and I'll do that. And then we will be back, of course, next week to talk dynamite. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike said Fuji Heya. Subscribe. Give us a rating and review. And head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Sign up. Uh, that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. <laughs>